0: Good morning and welcome back to Philosophy Weekly. We have yet another jam-packed show out of us today because we're joined by IT professional and online creator, Christopher Lawley. We're here to unwrap the tech of today and that includes everything in the pipeline for Apple Silicon, Google's new Pixel 6, and of course, our latest scoop for what's new in Silicon Valley drama. That's an exciting one for you, a little new segment. We're trying it out. Christopher, how are you doing today? I, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I've been a fan of yours for quite a while on YouTube. Everybody thinks of me and my family as the iPad expert. I want to tell you something. Just by watching your channel, I've learned about the iPad doing things that I didn't know it could do just from apps on the App Store. Thank you. Yeah, I've been using the iPad for a while now. It's my main computer, my my only computer, really, that I use every day, except for right now, a little behind the scenes stuff. I have iPad OS 15 running on my iPad. And some audio stuff is broken. So when it comes to recording podcasts, I'm doing it on my file server, which is a Mac mini right now. So nice. I, before we started recording, I was telling you guys, I, I'm like, I feel like just a stranger when it comes to the Mac. That's why I want to have to boot into this thing. I'm like, what is it that I click on here? What's going on here? It's. But yes, I love the iPad and I'm always excited to talk about it. I love that. I'm, I've been a fan of the iPad since the very beginning. I was an early adopter. I was using this thing in middle school before it was the thing to do pages, numbers, keynote, doing everything through the iPad. I blow my, my flashcards through there. I would mind map different things in my node. And, and, and so I've been really big on the iPad for a long time. I was just like you, I never touched a Mac. I doubled with the Mac maybe once or twice a week and I only just recently Began falling in love with the Mac again because I purchased a new iMac, blue iMac. So I'm really thrilled with that. And I'm really leveraging some of the pro apps and those capabilities. They didn't come to the iPad this year, so I had no choice. I had to buy an iMac. Slightly disagree there. Uh, There's always LumaFusion. And I would would also say Swift Playgrounds is getting an update too. And this would, I would say, be Apple's first pro app for the iPad. Mm -hmm. Now going to be able to write apps from start to finish using your iPad and the Swift Playgrounds app. So I think that is Apple's true first Pro app for the iPad from Apple, but there's also a ton of third-party Pro apps as well. And that's why I say that sarcastically. For a long time, I was using things like LumaFusion, which is a very robust app, Affinity Photo. These are things that rival and in some areas do better than what Photoshop and Final Cut Pro can do. And and so you have to get an iPad in your hands and really leverage its capabilities with the apple pencil with the trot pen and then you start seeing how this could be a computer replacement for 98 of the people out there yep absolutely yeah i'm excited to see where the ipad is headed in the future i think there's some stuff in ipad os 15 that kind of points at the future of iPad OS and the iPad respectively, and I think it's an exciting time if you are somebody yeah. that works from the iPad or wants to work from the iPad or just uses the iPad for anything, I think this is a really exciting time to be in that ecosystem, definitely it's always been exciting, oh yeah, yeah, not not to say yes, absolutely it's always been exciting, but I think particularly right now, like we've had iPad OS for a couple of years now. I, Mm. I, it did take some time for the iPad to figure out what it was going to be. And I think it took people like us using the iPad and talking about the iPad for Apple to figure out where they wanted to go with it. i rid of that quote unquote, big iPhone look and stuff like that. Cause the iPad is more than just a big iPhone. Back in the day, you'd walk into a boardroom with an iPad and people would laugh and say, what are you going to do with that? Get a real computer. And it it's less of a, a media consumption device. still great for that. It's tremendous. Mm-hmm. And, and more of a productivity device, especially with the iPad Pro we see today. And and so I wanted to ask you, that was my, my number one question. What do you say to people that say you can't do real work on an iPad? I disagree. I just, I just send them a link to my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, the, uh, <laughs> the major flex there. <laughs> yeah, I've been working off the iPads for about, Almost five years now, I think Mm -hmm. is what it, I know it's been over four years. I think we're coming up on five years of working straight off the iPad. And throughout that whole time, I've been producing videos, editing photos. I did my IT job. I've since left IT. I'm doing YouTube full time now, but until late last year, I was doing IT stuff off my iPad. So if anyone still says you can't do work off of an iPad, they're wrong. Like just flat wrong. Maybe there's certain kinds of work you can't do. I, I got somebody a little while ago saying, the iPad isn't a real computer because you can't run Emacs. And I'm like, let's back up a little bit. How many people actually run Emacs? Cause Vim is better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start. More. <laughs> no, but like how many people need to ru- actually run Emacs? Do you really need Emacs to be a computer? Cause let's break down the definition of a computer. The computer is some, is a device that computes data. It's in the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the iPad and the iPhone and heck, maybe even the Apple Watch, they all fit that description. So they're computers. They're just not traditional computers. Do you think the iPad Pro is still largely more a consumer centric product than it is a professional product? No, I know a lot of photographers that edit all their photos from an iPad. It's not just people like me that are trying to prove a point. It's, I know photographers, I know some journalists and stuff that that edit videos. They'll shoot videos on their iPhone and edit them on their iPad in the field. It's not just YouTube people that are trying, or blogger people or podcasters that are trying to prove. Yeah. There are actual people out there. I hear from every single day that do creative work, do real professional work from an iPad and and i love that you demonstrate all this on your channel because this is something that that i've been telling people for years you can do real work on this i remember back in 2015 when the very first ipad pro came out the 12.9 inch the number one thing that you saw was all these videos showing proof of concept oh you could edit this way you could edit a video this way but you wouldn't want to just buy a mac and that was the rhetoric you heard over and over but now we're seeing things like plugins for Lumafusion. we're seeing all these different kinds of downloadable brush tools and font installation tools for, for affinity photo for Pixelmator pro. And I I think it's like you said, it's a very fast paced and exciting ecosystem to be involved in. And when you look at things like the latest M one iPad pro it's packing things like thunderbolt for better data transfer. It's packing this mini led pro display XDR, which is huge. This is probably the best display that anyone's ever seen when they pick this thing up for the first time. You have directors in Hollywood comparing this iPad screen to a $43,000 reference monitor that they're using out in the field. And think about the fact that's in, for lack of a better word, a consumer product. Yeah, absolutely. The new iPad Pro is incredibly impressive. I'm working on my three-month review of it right now. Just like putting all my thoughts. I feel like three months is a good amount of time that, that like you can, you've had it long enough that you can really just like put a lot of thought into it. And the, like you mentioned, so the Thunderbolt port that enabled me to start to move away from my Mac mini, I have a Mac mini here, it's acted as my file server for a while now and I had Thunderbolt drive plugged into it that I was using for archive storage and just a bunch of other little things. Because the iPad now has Thunderbolt in it, I can plug a Thunderbolt 4 hub into it. And instead of having that archive drive plugged into my Mac mini, I just plug it right in my iPad. It just drag and drop stuff there. I don't have to worry about- It's so easy. Yeah, I don't have to worry about S and B anymore. It's fantastic. The display is beautiful. I color grade a lot of my footage. I shoot and log for those that don't know. It's a flat profile that's washed out. It, it looks yeah. like there's no color essentially. And the reason why you would do this is you get better control over your colors in the in color post. Grade process. Exactly. So when I'm editing video and going in and color grading that footage, having a better display only makes my work better. Yeah. And then the M1 chip, the M1 chip is just fast. That's not a surprise. Everyone knew that. I'm incredibly excited to have that in my daily computer. And it's really just helped with export times and all sorts of different things. But one of the biggest, and we've talked extensively about M1, and, and what it's doing with the industry. We're, we're really experiencing a, a paradigm shift in computing as Apple moves to this architecture, their own in-house silicon. They've talked for so long about uh, this concept of, in order to make good products, we have to control the whole widget. That is, mm-hmm. we control the process from top to bottom. We have our own silicon working with our own software and our own hardware. I guess silicon would fall under hardware. But yeah, the concept is, controlling the whole widget. And when you do that from the top down, you can really create some deeply integrated technology that really leverages the capability of what these machines can do. You, you look at things like the MacBook Air, it has no fan now, it doesn't need one. And maybe its sustained performance isn't as great as the MacBook Pro with M1 for video editing, things like that. But the MacBook Air is very much a baseline consumer laptop. And so for people that are going to push the limits of what a MacBook Air can do, it's more than enough power. And and it'll surprise you in areas where uh, a MacBook Air used to chug along, it's really smashing the benchmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I I haven't used any of the M1 laptops yet, but the Mac Mini I do have is one of the, is the M1 Mac Mini. I got it just because it was was the hot thing. I was like, I should probably have one of these to talk about, and then I never ended up making that many videos about it. I think I've only made like three Mac videos on my channel out of two hundred videos. So <laughs> <laughs> there's not that much Mac content there, but they're incredibly impressive. I'm curious to see what's going to be next in that pipeline because. Now we're in a pace since the stuff that is being put in the Mac, it's also the silicon, the, the chips that are being put in the Mac, they're also gonna benefit the iPad, just like how the yes. iPad chips and everything Apple's learned from making those chips for the iPad and the iPhone has been benefited the M1 Max. So it's not a versus mode. I see a lot of people go, oh, it's the MacBook versus the iPad, and which one's better? It's not, they, they run in tandem. Use the one that you want to use, the one that works for you. For me, that's the iPad. For other people, that's the Mac. That's fine. I don't begrudge anyone. It's, it's, yeah, I don't care. The only people I begrudge are people that would want to use Windows computers. I've been (laughs) eating for 10 years. Don't use a Windows computer. I'm kidding. If you want to use a Windows computer, I don't (laughs) care. But no, I, we will, I, I think it's there, there's a, there, there's an interesting future coming and seeing how these chips grow. I'm really excited about it. I'm not much of a rumor person. I don't keep up on a lot of rumors. If I see something, I'll look into it, but I don't go seeking out rumors and stuff like that. But the stuff that I've seen and heard about the next generation of the M-series chips, I'm pretty excited. And speaking of that, we have a lot to talk about regarding M1. The next version of M1... It's supposed to be a graphics-caked version, graphics-boosted version called X. That's just what we're dubbing it. Mark Gurman of Bloomberg, he had a huge report on this earlier this week, and he was talking about the new 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pros. He says those are on track for this year. He says a new M1X Mac Mini could come soon after the MacBook Pros. He didn't say whether that meant this year or not. Could be next year. And he said the iMac will fully transition by the end of next year. and by The full line, he means the larger iMac will receive Apple Silicon. Now, we heard a report from YouTuber Max Tech just this morning, and he was saying that this will simply be a larger iMac with a slightly better processor, graphics boosted. That is to say, he's saying, so it'll share the same look. It'll have the chin and everything. It'll just be 27 to 32 inches. Yeah, that makes sense. Not large, large. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That makes sense. Apple said, not this last WWDC, but the one before that they were planning on fully transitioning in two years. And I, yes. I don't think they'll miss that. I I. It sounds like they're on track for all that. Uh, the MacBook Pros, like you said, are this year. I know a lot of developers are, especially some developer friends that are like, have the money in hand, just like we slam yes. it down on the table for Apple, especially for that 16 inch MacBook Pro. I'd be curious to see what these, bigger iMacs are i don't i wonder if they'll stick with 27 because in my head they have at 32 is the pro display xdr then you have 24 which i i can see why apple went to 24 for the larger for the smaller iMac Mm -hmm. because good luck trying to find a monitor that's smaller than 24 inches like getting a panel source for that uh, yes. Yeah. 21 inches is a small computer, a small desktop computer. I'm not surprised about that. I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the 20 or the higher end iMac stays at 27 inches, but I guess we'll see. I, I don't know anything. Yeah. I have any, have any inside tips, Christopher? Not about Max. Uh, that's for sure. Nobody tells me anything about Macs, but you no, know, I'm excited to see what these do. I really want to see Apple bring back colors. Like, I know they're doing that with the iMac. Yes. She's got a blue one. I saw that in the Apple store a couple of weeks ago when I got the MagSafe battery. It looks nice. I really want to see colors come to the whole lineup, especially the iPad. I'm not biased at all. I was really disappointed. We saw those, those leaks early on. That's why I don't like following leaks, because they just... Uh, they mess with your expectations. Yeah, they spoil everything. I I saw some leaks of a a Pacific Blue iPad ahead of the Apple event earlier this year, and I was like, I can't wait for an M1 iPad with a blue color, and then it never never came out, never materialized. So I was, I would yeah. definitely go for that. I hope they bring back the gold at least, don't you? I think the gold would be great. In 2018, I was like, okay, I'm going to go gold because I had always done. Mm-hmm. You- black like ever since space gray had been an option i had always gone space gray and i was like okay i'm tired of space gray i'm like no space gray devices are allowed in my house anymore then they announced in 2018 and the gold one was gone i was like oh you got it me but i was thinking the other day a gold ipad pro with the black magic keyboard that would look to see that would look look amazing i would "Mm, yes please but a pacific blue ipad even better i'd take that in a heartbeat so sleek I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers for it. What I want is the return, and I know it was controversial because it it scuffed pretty badly, but now we have those aluminum silicate uh, coatings is the Slate iPhone 5, remember that color? Oh, yeah. That was, the iPhone 5 was a good one. See, I love my iPhone. I have the Pacific blue iPhone 12 Pro, and this is my favorite looking iPhone ever. Like, Ever? ever? Ever, period, ever, done. This is the best looking iPhone out there. Um, I just, I'm a little worried blue is going to go away. Cause you know, they do the, they cycle out of color every year or something. Yeah. Like that. And I'm, I'm a little worried blue is going to go away. I'm like, take space gray. Space gray I'm is just, boring. I'm just hoping they keep the gold. The gold is nice. I always get a little mixed up every year. I'm going to go for the gold. Then that's when they'll do a little more like rose gold or something like that, which yeah, I'm not a fan of. I'm not. Blush I like gold yeah i like I really like the gold color, but the when they go a little rose goldish, I'm not a big fan of it, mostly because like it it changes its look depending on the lighting situation mm-hmm. like, sometimes it can look bronze, other times it can look a little more pink so i I like something that could be a little more stable because I film my devices a lot. And I don't want something that's like sh- the shifting its color. Almost. Yeah. Not that i, I like doing that, but just like in the different lighting. It I like that. that last year, both for the Apple Watch and the iPhone, they returned to that that classic gold look, the yellow yeah. home. Yeah, exactly. Yep, 100%. But let's get more into Apple Silicon. The large Mac Pro is supposed to have one more Intel refresh, according to Mark Gurman of Bloomberg. He says this refresh will occur next year with the Ice Lake Xeon W3300 CPUs from Intel. What do you think about this? There's been a lot of rumblings about a a small Mac Pro. Yeah, this is one of the rumors I've paid attention to because I, I really like the Mac pro as a computer because of its modular design, swapping out the GPUs, the, uh, MPX module, all that stuff. Really interesting to me. If I did still work from a Mac, I would definitely own a Mac pro just because that's my kind of nerdery as is, is swapping around hardware and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I know the kinds of people that use Mac pros, especially like video people and a lot of machine learning people and stuff like that yes. have applications that are Intel based that are going to run just better on Intel CPUs for now until they get ported over. So this one doesn't surprise me. I have matched the Intel Mac, I'm sorry. The Intel Mac pro will probably be one of the longest running Macs. In this generation, I could see the the like the MacBook Air. Or I think already like you can't get an Intel MacBook Air, but it's the Intel MacBook 13 inch MacBook Pro. I could see that going away before before the Mac Pro, just because the kinds of people that need it will probably want to stay on Intel for a few years. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I, I I I don't know anything about these particular chips. Ever since I left IT, I've stopped paying attention to what Xeon like what Xeons are getting. And thank God, right? Their updates, yeah. <laughs> That is a confusing chipset if you want to pay attention to a chipset. So I, I'm not entirely sure what's in these that makes them better, but I'm, I'm sure there's something that's better about them. Better, faster, stronger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the Mac Pro actually received uh, a couple updates earlier this week. You can now pick up a Mac Pro with two Radeon Pro W6800 Duos uh, 64 gigabyte GD, R six memory. That's a tongue twister. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fast graphics cards. Maybe if you paint flames on them, they'll go even faster. I that's how physics works, but no, I good for Apple for still updating the Mac pro and not just being like, okay, we're moving apple silicon. That thing is garbage now Yeah, uh, because like it, it, it came out and six months later. Apple announced it was transitioning to Apple Silicon. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that that that's an awkward time to buy a five thousand to a hundred thousand dollar computer. Yeah, and these Radeon Pro W sixty eight hundred MPX modules, they're supposed to deliver theoretically twenty three percent faster performance in DaVinci Resolve and eighty four percent faster performance in Optane X. So we we know the mileage is going to vary here. Jake Kroll over on Twitter was providing a look at some of these theoretical benchmarks and what we can expect from the Mac Pro. It's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds impressive. I would, let me swap out the GPU on my iPad Pro and put it into one of these guys. I'm kidding. I know it's <laughs> not possible. Unless you want a hot plate. Yeah. <laughs> that thing would melt. <laughs> you ever watched aluminum melt right in front of you? <laughs> right now, today, it's going to be 105 here. So I feel like ooh. I'm melting. So yeah, There's 102 here. Ooh, nice. of one, yeah, so. yeah. a few weeks ago, we hit 115 and yeah. ooh, I felt like I was inside a Mac pro. And where are you based out of? We need to cover I'm, that. I'm in California. I'm in Fresno. So it's oh, right yeah. in the middle of California. It's basically a desert. It's one of the biggest agricultural areas. Yeah. But yeah. It, I'm in it's San exactly Diego. So. Oh, nice. Nice. So we're not that far away. <laughs> it's just yeah. very humid. okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to live in Texas and North Carolina, so I get humidity. I'll take the dry heat over humidity any day, right? Yep. When we're talking apple silicon... And the fact that the iPad is now packing M one, I know we keep repeating that, but it's just so awesome. The amount of power you can leverage here. What, what, in your opinion, do you think is the, the biggest barrier to entry for people that are used to the laptop form factor? Something I hear every time I recommend the iPad, something I hear over and over again is Brahm, I'm comfortable with, I need a real keyboard. I need a real trackpad, and that's what I'm comfortable with. And that's why I'll never get an iPad. I want a real laptop. What, what do you say to people that say that? I show them the Magic Keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the iPad to me is a it's I call it a transformer. So for one second it is uh, a tablet. Then you have a canvas with the Apple Pencil. Then you can throw it in a uh, keyboard case like the Magic Keyboard, or there's versions from uh, Logitech and Bridge, which I have here and I need to make a review about. And I just haven't had time. Or you can do what I do and I also plug it in my desk setup. So I have a Thunderbolt hub here, I have a 4K monitor that I'm sitting in front of. I can plug all this in and then I have a desktop computer and the iPad fits all of those categories for me at any moment, it can be any computer I want it to be. And I love when you say that about the iPad, that it can really be anything you want it to be. That was Apple's first pitch, right? A magical painted glass that can be anything. And, and it's really true the versatility of an iPad. It can be a laptop computer. When you slap it into the magic keyboard, you have all those forms of input, a full-size keyboard, a trackpad, a cursor. You have your fingers. You have the precision of Apple Pencil. It's really the most versatile computer I've ever seen. When you compare it to things like a MacBook or even a PC, it's cool to fold things, but to get down to, you know, to hit the grindstone and get actual work done, I love the iPad. Yep. and another thing that was part of their first pitch and it's so interesting because you can go back to the beginning they said the breakthrough with the ipad and they used email as an example is it's fun because you're doing it with your fingers you're doing it with your hands so there's a, a joy to that it, uh, a bit of a inquisitive feel what will i find next i'm digging around the operating system right with my fingers i'm pinching i'm zooming i'm swiping it 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 forces you to want to look into different tools. What, how can I push the possibilities of what this machine can do? It feels just bouncing around an operating system. And I love that. It's a very fluid way of getting work done. And oftentimes personally in my workflow with photo and video editing, I can get a lot of things done faster with gestures than I can keyboard commands on a Mac or even an iPad. Yeah, it's interesting to see how all of those have come together. I think iPadOS 15 is, is a really interesting example of this because I think Apple going in and building iPadOS 15, Apple took a step back and realized there are different ways you can use the iPad. You can use it with your finger. You can use it with the Apple pencil. You can use it with keyboard. You can use it with the trackpad. There's so many different ways of interacting with it, which is different from traditional computers. And yeah i know there's windows laptops with touch screens and stuff like that but let's be completely honest that's just caked on top at the end of the day a traditional computer is meant to be used with a keyboard and mouse mm-hmm. i with iPadOS 15 there are features like a quick note where apple literally rebuilt it or i'm sorry not rebuilt it but built it from scratch with the idea of all those in mind you can activate it with your finger An Apple Pencil, a keyboard shortcut. There's so many different things there. Quick note is one of my favorite examples of a feature designed specifically for the iPad. How they reworked multitasking. Now you have those menu buttons Mm -hmm. at the top. You can still do drag and drop. And you can use keyboard shortcuts. Again, it covers all the different ways you can interact with your iPad. And I think that's just what makes the iPad so different from traditional computers is the fact that you can work with it in different ways and there is not a pre-described way of how I'm going to sit down and and interact with this device. When I open an app or I start working in the OS, it has no idea how I'm going to interact with it. So it has to be open to those different ways. And I love how you phrase that because in my opinion, iPadOS 15 is really really more of a stability, performance, and a let's tie up loose ends kind of update because it makes things like multitasking much more intuitive for the average user. Mm -hmm. Multitasking used to be, oh geez, I got to learn all these keyboard commands and gestures and, and shortcuts to everything. Now it's very intuitive. Now it's those three dots on the top. You can push it split screen. You have your full grid of apps to choose from. You don't need to learn about things like spotlight or dragging things in and out of the dock. It's very intuitive to be, to become productive on an iPad now to to be multitasking. There's not much to learn. The just the buttons are sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. And 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 I love that because as someone that's invested all this time into gestures and really making the iPad my everyday computer, I understand that a lot of other people don't want to have to learn things. They don't want to have to learn keyboard commands and gestures. They just want it to work intuitively the first time they open it up. And that's what the iPad is supposed to be. And for a long time, I felt like they were, as they added more professional level multitasking features and and so forth, they were losing that vision a little bit of making the iPad intuitive. Yeah, I did a video a couple of years ago, and this has been a prime example for me over the summer that I've been telling people. I did a video a couple of years ago about how multitasking works on the iPad. And I showed SlideOver. A lot of people didn't even know SlideOver existed because unless you knew that was there and had seen that, You would never guess to drag and drop an icon about a third of the way over on the screen and let it go and just have this floating window. So these new icons definitely help with that and make it a lot more approachable for everybody and to figure that out. But once they figure that out, then they could take it a step further with the new globe key shortcuts and do all the the new multitasking keyboard shortcuts they could do all the other stuff like Quick Note and activating Siri. I'm doing so much from the key, or from the keyboard this summer that um, I'm not touching the screen as much as I used to be when I'm working with my iPad in the keyboard case or at my desk. And that's, it, it's tremendous what people are able to do with the iPad. Like you said, it, connecting it to an external display. With Thunderbolt, that's an even bigger deal now. It's actually, it, it used to be Just a fun thing to be able to connect your iPad to a display and mirror it. Oh, cool. Nice for presentations. Now you can create a desk, a desktop workflow around this. You can Mm -hmm. do photo editing and have your stylus down on the desk and and see your changes in real time on your monitor. It's phenomenal. Yep. Absolutely. When you look at things like the latest beta of iOS 15, beta four, that is. They're introducing some interesting photography features. One of them is the removing lens flares in posts, which I think is really cool. When you look at people like me and yourself, that are involved in photo and video editing, the, the creative atmosphere as content creators, you look at these kinds of things and you start to think if all these algorithms start to replace things we used to do, do we have a job in the future? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I, I know at the end of the day, as a photographer, I would be annoyed if I took a picture and the camera decided, oh, I don't like this element. I'm yeah. going to remove it. I would be annoyed about that. But for most people that are using the iOS camera app, that's fantastic for them. They don't know how to get rid of lens flares and stuff like that. I There was the... We took some family photos at an event uh, a year ago. I don't know why I'm even thinking about this. And somebody took my phone and took some pictures and they didn't know anything about photography. They were just a person standing there. So he was like, oh, man, he takes pictures. And like every one of them had a big old lens flare in a it because they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Whatever. What happened? They didn't know that. Episode? So that's great that they're getting rid of that. Fantastic for those people. I would be annoyed as a photographer. Um but I don't, at the, but like you were saying, algorithms, I don't think, like, I'm not worried an AI is going to come wrong and start making my YouTube videos because an AI can't have the, at least right now, can't have the kinds of opinions and stuff that I put into stuff. Same thing with photography. Yeah. Pixel meter photo. Great example. Mm-hmm. You can have an AI completely edit your photo. I have never once had the AI get the photo to the way I would edit it. It's and that's serious. the thing. There's, there's no, when it comes to AI tools, there's no creative selection. Yeah. It's just a predetermined configuration for what it thinks most people would think is nice. And so I speak in hyperbole when I ask you that, but it's, you can definitely start to wonder people, the the whole point and shoot aspect of an iPhone and things like the Google Pixel, they need to change their camera sensor for years since the very first or not the very first, but the Pixel 2, they haven't changed their sensor because their AI photography technology is, has become so next level that it can, it creates these mind blowing photos without the need for new hardware. Yeah, I used to be a part of, Google did this thing called Team Pixel, and they used to, they they would send some YouTubers and some other people some phones and stuff to make videos about. I got kicked out because I I only cover Apple stuff. But I, so they sent me like a Pixel 3a and a Pixel 4, and they were interesting phones, and they would take nice pictures, but the edits that they would make to them are not the edits I would choose. Yeah, um, I have a very unique style when it comes to editing photos. And I've never found any piece of software that like just applies preferences and applies settings to it to be able to come close to that style. It, it it's much more let me just make the picture more saturated and punch up the light. Yeah. It can look more visually pleasing. And and you look at things like Apple Pro Raw, which was released last year with the, the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, it, it really puts the professional the pro in the driver's seat to decide how do i want to edit this picture and it puts that into a, a consumer product many cons- average consumers are still buying this pro phone even though it's apple thinks it's supposedly for pros they've also said it's for people who want the very best iphone either way we don't care just buy it <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool because you do get to choose it just gives you the raw data and then you can go in and, and edit it however you'd like. And I think that's the way to go. Cause even people that, because people that aren't even seasoned in this can go in and experiment with a raw photo. And 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 a lot of times edits are about preference. Do you like warmer or cooler? Mm-hmm. Oversaturated or under or in between? It's all these different things having to do with personal preference. Yep. And like you said, when you have phones like the Pixel that make those decisions for you, it's not always the right outcome. Yep, 100%. You know, speaking of Pixel, Google gave us a first look at their Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro smartphones earlier this week. Now, the Pixel 6 has a 6.4-inch screen, and the Pixel 6 Pro has a 6.7-inch screen. Pixel 6 is dual camera. Pixel 6 Pro is triple camera array. It includes telephoto, not just wide and ultra-wide. It has four times optical zoom capabilities, but the biggest thing, and since we're talking about silicon, this is really hot right now, is Google's new in-house chip. It's called the Tensor chip, um, and it's designed to process AI and ML models directly on the Pixel 6. So that means you don't have to connect to the cloud for additional processing when you're doing things like Siri dictation. Sorry, not Siri. (laughs) Dictation. Yeah. Google says that things like voice commands, translation, captioning and dictation will be very much improved. The cool thing about this is they're saying this is a, a miniaturized version of of Google's TPU, their tensor processing unit that they use in their data centers. They've been using this in their data centers since 2015 and it's a it's an integrated circuit that that accelerates machine learning and neural network tasks. So this is similar to what we've seen and Apple Silicon with their 16 core neural engine that you'll find on things like the M1. Now that Google is, is making leaps and bounds in this area, creating their own, again, in-house Silicon, they're in many ways controlling the whole widget now. So do you think this is gonna level the playing field? Do you think this is gonna make Apple more competitive? What, what do you think this is gonna do to the industry? You think it's gonna put pressure on others? yeah for sure i as we saw to take even further back intel said they were going to catch up like they made <laughs> a promise they were going to catch up and then the very next day what was it the company they announced their two nanometer chip tsmc ts tsmc yeah i don't know i i always butchered taiwan semiconductor yeah thank you yeah they announced their two. so i think the whole industry is just blowing past intel and getting left behind i'm curious to see what the benchmarks for these google phones end up doing i don't think they released any i doubt they released any but i did see that they announced these the benchmarks will tell but the but the at the end of the day the you could have the fastest chip you want in a phone but if you don't have the apps to do anything with that and what i mean is not like a, a a camera app but a video editing app A professional photography editing app, audio apps, Photoshop apps, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. If you don't have that, and they also don't have a tablet either. Google says done with tablets. They're they're, they're relying on the Chromebooks now. Okay. Are they going to put these chips in their Chromebooks? Will the Chromebooks be getting video editing stuff? Because I I know Chromebooks are great at web stuff and they can run some Android apps now, but can I edit video on that? Can I move my professional workflow over to that? Because on the iPad, I could do all that stuff. You can make the fastest chip in the world, but if you don't have the, the software to back it up, mm-hmm. it's no good. But it's also the other way around. It's true, too. If you have good software, but a terrible chip, your software is going to run like hot garbage. So they, they got to balance each other out. I have used Android for a couple of years, and I'm just, I, last time I used it, I was like, eh, there's nothing better than I want. I'm good. Bye. <laughs> and and that's, really, that's really the secret sauce there is it's all in the ecosystem. And, and I and we, we all like saying that, especially when it comes to Apple and their quote unquote walled garden. I say the walled garden is looking more beautiful every day. That's just my opinion. But it really boils down to how robust is your ecosystem? How stable is it? Apple's built this ecosystem where they have the right partners. They have all the apps that you need, the professional tools, even if they're not the name brand. Remember when things like Affinity Photo and Pixelmator were not the name brand? but they've established themselves. They've outdone, again, things like Photoshop in so many ways. LumaFusion does things that Final Cut Pro can't do. And you can do it with your fingers. You can do it with the precision of Apple Pencil. You can run special plugins made just for LumaFusion that work on an iPad. And and so beyond just the versatility of the iPad as a hardware product, as you're saying, it boils down to the ecosystem and the app support that you have baked in. And Android hasn't had that since the very beginning. They've tried so hard and and they just, they can't establish trust with developers and the market outlook isn't there. Yeah, and I've, I have a few developer friends and they have to constantly keep a look on the Android market to see mm-hmm. if their apps are being ripped off because a lot of times people will take their iOS app and just rip off the branding and mm-hmm. remake something and submit it to the Android app store. Android is... Their app store is just full of scams. And at one point it was full of malware. Yeah, it's not a good. There's book. no app review process. Yeah, it exactly. is, yes, But it's AI based and not as robust as what Apple's doing. Yeah. And I know Apple's whole review process and developer relations are under scrutiny right now, but. And very controversial. Uh, yeah. And, and that's fine. And they should be controversial too. Yeah. Like at, at the end of the day, like I upload my main source of income is from YouTube. And I am constantly publicly fighting against YouTube or trying to at least to to get better recognition. Like the the cut that they take from AdSense people, woo. Yeah, it's bonkers. I don't know, like there, there needs to be some give and take. But in the Android world, there hasn't been any give. (laughs) I, everyone that I've known that's tried to develop Android apps just throws up their hands and be like, this is terrible. This is incredibly hard. And yeah, it's, it sucks. Like I, I, I feel for them, but yeah, I, there's a reason why I use Apple stuff and it's because it's the best for what I need to do. And and that's what I say about when it comes to this show, this isn't, it's called Apple philosophy, not the Apple sheep show. It really boils down to, preference and how these products fit into our workflow. I know many people that have a PC and also use an iPad. Yeah. And, and, and so we're not here to tell you which products to use. We're trying to look at the facts and, and talk about our, we're trying to, we're trying to look at the facts and, and really paint a full picture for everybody here. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, I use the computer that you like that that brings you joy. It, mm-hmm. it, it, at the end of the day, I like sitting down in front of my iPad and working and getting my work done. and It is a fun computer for me because of what's on there. Shortcuts, LumaFusion, all these different applications that live there and how they work on that device. Um, I, if the iPad didn't exist, I'd be happy on a Mac. I wouldn't be upset. Mm-hmm. The Mac is still a great computer, but As for somebody like me, one of the reasons why I originally even went to the iPad is I have ADHD. I have really hard time for me too. And on the Mac, I have all these windows open right now. And it's so distracting. I'm trying to look at the camera and get yes. eye contact. But all these different things are happening on the Mac right now. And I'm just like, this is too much for me. Like, I am like ready to hit the eject button and just grab yes. my iPad. like, Panic like I, And run with yeah, the tablet. Exactly. <laughs> like with the iPad, I can have two, one, two, maybe even three apps open and then Quick Note or whatever. But at the end of the day, like I can just have what I want focused on. And the new focus modes are great for helping out with that, but I can have what I want up, focus on that, and I don't have to worry about anything else because at the end of the day, if I have 20 different applications open, that's just 20 different applications that could distract me. Christopher, I think that's awesome the way you phrase that because it really captures the, the essence of the iPad. Apple used to say, our goal with the iPad is to be for, for users to be conscious only of what they're doing and not the device they're doing it with. And and I struggle immensely with ADHD, much like yourself. And I love how modular everything is on the iPad. I don't worry about windows. I worry about tasks. Mm. and And I can really just become one with my work. and and that the essence of that is so it feels so human, especially when I'm doing it with my fingers. yeah, Apple pencil aside, keyboard aside. The essence of doing that is, is just fluid. And I think it's, it's, when you think about jobs, used to say the Macintosh was a bicycle for the mind. This is the iPad is a bicycle for my mind and the way my mind works. and It is calibrated. I'm just like you, I stare at all these windows and I know there's all these ways to organize them. I know there's mission control, but I, sometimes I just want to pick this up and run. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And get down to business. Yep. I don't want to sit here and spend 10, 5, 10 minutes managing windows, organizing Mm -hmm. windows, setting up different desktops and things like that. I just want to sit there, hit the app, do what I need to do, send stuff to where it needs to be sent. And I'm really picky about the apps that I use through the iPad because I want to make sure they're open and that I can easily get content in and out of them, which makes me working on the iPad so much easier because i can constantly send stuff around so if i'm writing something out in drafts and i want to send it as an email i can hit one button and that's a new email i just need to send type in who it's going to and i can hit send and boom off it goes and the mac like i said i'm not trying to hit, i'm not trying to be mad at the Mac or punch down on the mac uh, yeah. it's a good computer it's exactly what it needs to be it's a traditional computer but for somebody like me with the broken brain that I have, I just find I get way more done off my iPad, and having that those I, I used to call those limitations of just having one or two apps open at a time, an advantage. And I still think that's the case. Yes, uh, uh, and I, I I don't know. I just love the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> me too. That's yeah. why I, that's why I love having people like you on the show because it, it speaks to the 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 capability. Yeah. And the versatility of an iPad, which I think a lot of people overlook in favor of what they believe to be a traditional setup. And there's a, been a, a laptop lot of, or a desktop. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a lot of people lately that have been wanting Mac OS on the iPad. And mm-hmm. I have been a still st- a staunch believer, a strong believer, planted my flag in the ground, and uh, the hill I will die on. Mac OS does not, need to be on the iPad it does not deserve to be on the iPad. I don't want it on the iPad. It doesn't deserve but, it. Exactly. <laughs> it want it? Deserve was the wrong word, but I don't want I it love on that, the but. iPad because at the end of the day, iPadOS gets the job. There's stuff iPadOS needs. I am not here to say it is perfect at all. I have a laundry list of things in graphs that I'm saving for October, November to make that video. Um of stuff that I still think iPad OS needs. But I think Mac OS has too much already going on in it. It's too traditional. If you want Mac OS, go buy a MacBook because that's what that's for. The M1 MacBook Airs and MacBook Pro, great option. Like you you essentially are getting the same hardware as an iPad at that point because you're mm-hmm. getting the same CPU and GPU. But uh, I think iPadOS is the future and the future's not here yet for everyone. I still think there's a lot of paper cuts to go into it. Yes. But I, for me, it's here. For me, I'm happy with it. Even if I didn't have a YouTube channel where I talked about making videos about, or where I talked about working from the iPad and stuff like that. I'd still work from the iPad. I I used to have an IT job. I could have had a MacBook. I could have had a PC. I could have had anything I wanted, but I I worked from my iPad. That was still the computer I used. So, yeah, I I, I, know Mac OS on the iPad, but there's plenty of things iPad OS needs. Thank you. You're one of the first people on this show to say that you really need yeah. the world to me chris yeah no i'm a firm believer that mac os does not and i think apple knows this too like I, mm. I don't think i do not i maybe a conversation has happened but i don't think it's probably gone past that conversation i do not i, I don't know if, if mac os came to the ipad i would be very upset <laughs> me too as we wrap up today's show, Chris, we got to cover this week in Valley Drama. And, and this week, it's about Elon Musk and Tim Cook. Why? Because it's always about Elon Musk and, and his beef with Tim Cook for some reason. But they haven't even made the car yet, Elon. What are you, why are you picking? <laughs> this comes from a, a, a report that the LA Times published about a new book called Power Play. It's called Power Play, Tesla, Elon Musk and the bet of the century. That's what the book is called. And it's written by journalist Tim Higgins of the Wall Street Journal. According to the story, this is what happened. So inside Tesla, this is back in the day, the company was struggling with the Model X. I'm sure a lot of people know about this story. According to people involved at the internal level, that's a weird way to phrase it, the internal level, those involved, where the sausage gets made. They were hoping for a white knight to save the day. That white knight could be Apple. That was one of the companies that they were looking at. Tim Cook had an idea back in the day, back in 2016, to buy Tesla. Elon Musk was not interested. He was interested. Elon Musk was interested, but on one condition. He told Tim Cook, I'm CEO. Cook thought he meant staying CEO of Tesla. And Elon Musk replied, no. I meant Apple CEO. Tim Cook reportedly says, F you, and hangs up the phone. I can't picture Tim Cook cussing, can you? Yeah, I can. I, I think I can. I, from, from what it sounds like, both Elon Musk and Apple have said, no, this hasn't happened, and neither one of them have actually talked. I'm inclined to believe them. I, I But I also could see Elon Musk making this demand and then forgetting he's made this demand. <laughs> He's a. He smoked too it, much pot and he forgot. Yeah, he's an interesting person. <laughs> yeah, I don't. There's no way Elon Musk would ever be CEO of Apple. Like, there's, there. Apple is way too much of a. I know they they had the whole like pirate theme going on for a yeah. while, but like he's too much of the rogue pirate. You don't know what he's gonna do, and I'm just like, okay. There were a lot of comments on Twitter that, that said, uh, yeah, if this had happened, Elon would rust, run Apple into the ground. <laughs> yeah, I don't see Elon. All you need to know about Tesla right now is look at their new Model S and look mm-hmm. at the steering wheel. If There's a reason why the steering wheel in cars have always been a giant circle. It's because it's easy to use. I've heard from the people that have used the yoke and Exactly what you <laughs> think. It's yeah. You know, try making a three-point turn in that with that thing. Like it's not, okay, but well, it's, it's cool. Cause it's different. Elon but, Musk so, so desperately wants to be like Apple. He wants to think different, but yeah, he wants to be different, but the problem, but he's just a bit you're different. It. Yeah. Just because something's different doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, so I don't know. You could argue true. that, that Apple has made that mistake many times. And you look at things like. Apple Maps, MobileMe, Butterfly Keywords, oh, yeah. just to name a few. It's oh, not yeah. Apple's better not because perfect. it's different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. A- Apple's definitely not perfect. But I-, I would say if you're looking at Tesla mistakes versus Apple mistakes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You're I- I comparing a shopping got- list to a laundry list. <laughs> yeah. I know somebody that got a Tesla and the chair buttons, like the, the buttons to move the chair around and stuff. They were missing. They were gone. They just Ugh. weren't ever put in. They just weren't ever wow. put. In. So it's yeah. Okay. That seems bad. That's not attention to detail. That's just negligent. Yeah. So I I don't know. Well, I'm not here to. Yeah. I don't own a Tesla. I I. If somebody gave me one, I'd take one. But I wouldn't go out and buy one. They're they're too pricey. I'm not a car person. Like it's not. They're not for me. Either. Maybe this happened. Maybe Elon and Tim Cook talked, and they're like, no, we don't want to admit it to it, and they're just both denying it. But I have a, uh, I don't know, we'll see. (laughs) That's where I was going to bring it up for you is Elon actually responded to this on Twitter. Yeah. He wrote, uh, quote, Cook and I have never spoken or written to each other ever. There was a point where I requested to meet with Cook to talk about Apple buying Tesla. There were no conditions of acquisition proposed whatsoever. He refused to meet. Tesla was worth about 6% of today's value, end quote. So that's Elon's response. He's denying it completely. And yeah, and he's painting Tim Cook like a bit of a jerk, which is not Yeah. Yeah, no, but it doesn't surprise me because Apple doesn't typically, I think I can count on one hand the amount of amount of big public acquisitions that they've done. They typically mm-hmm. do like small behind the scenes, like we'll buy the companies that have the pieces. I think like the biggest one that I could think of was Beats because they bought mm-hmm. it from Apple. Back choosing. in 2014. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But like most of the acquisitions Apple does do are, are small like parts manufacturers and stuff yes. like that. They don't do, they don't buy Teslas and stuff like that because, and I don't see Apple buying. Unless them, they can afford to rip off the company and pay the lawsuit. They've it, done it, way too it, many uh, times. <laughs> on top of that but if you buy tesla like you're getting a lot of overhead you're getting all the sales people all the manufacturing all this other yeah. stuff that i don't think apple like i i we all know apple's working on a car but i don't are they it i'm assuming they are worst thinking, Kelsey, they, it. yeah it's like the worst what's this yeah so it doesn't surprise me they're, they're working on a car but i don't see apple uh buying a car manufacturer like tesla right off the bat like they're gonna see what their tech can do in a car before they even commit to building it. They've been trying to build a car for uh, what, since 2015 or something now. Like it's been a while that they've been trying. And I know it's an off and on thing, but we'll see what ends up happening. I don't know if this happened or not. It'd be funny if it did. I definitely could see Tim Cook saying F off and uh, (laughs) phone. I would, he, he wouldn't say F off. He'd say, you know what, Elon F off. Yeah, I, because we don't need you working on our products. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't <laughs> think, yeah, I don't think Apple needs anything from Tesla. And now Tesla doesn't need anything from Apple. Yeah. Weird times. Chris, as we wrap up today's show, let the people know where they can find you on the socials of medias. Uh, yeah. You find my work on YouTube. I'm Christopher Lolly. there, L-A-W-L-E-Y. You can find me on Twitter at Chris, or at Chris underscore Lolly Lawley, L-A-W-L-E-Y. And yeah, if you if you can't remember those you can go to my website it's the entitled site.com and least to all my stuff is there you can check it out awesome i talk about ipad productivity and automation i love the youtube channel i'm a huge thank fan you. thank you and you can find me over on twitter at bram that's b-r-a-h-m-s-h-a-n-k all one word same thing for instagram that's at bram again b-r-a-h-m-s-h-a-n-k go follow me come say hi Leave the show a good rating on Apple podcasts. If you didn't like the show, tell your friends about it. They might like it. I always tell people that it's a good thing. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for unwrapping the tech up today and we'll see you guys next week.